Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant, and I am glad you are here today. I don't know what you're up to right now. Maybe you're at the gym. You're running on the treadmill. You're running a little faster now that you hear my voice. I don't know. Is that a good thing? You're running away from me? You're running from something? Are you excited? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're cooking dinner. It smells good. looks good. Maybe you are driving home from work. Maybe you're driving to work. Maybe you're just dreading work. I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm glad you're here because maybe you're just kind of on a journey. You're just trying to figure out what is it that you are put on this planet to do. That's why we do this show because everybody we talk to in a variety of different careers, entrepreneurs, employees, men, women, boys, girls, all of the... Oh, we don't really have boys or girls, but... We're all trying to figure out what it is that we're supposed to do with life. You know, none of us have it figured out. None of us have it nailed. I'm always dealing with insecurities and doubts and fears and wondering if I'm doing the right thing or if I need to go a different direction. And so if that's you, that doesn't make you strange. That doesn't make you on. That doesn't make you weird. That makes you human. And so this is why we do this show is hopefully we can provide some inspirational stories and some next steps for you to find and do work you love. Well, today we are joined by my friend Joanna Weeb, who has a great story about uh, copywriting, how she got into copywriting and how she went from a a corporate world to now doing something like the same lines of what she was doing, but something that she really, really enjoys now and doing it in a way that she wants to do it. And she has one of my favorite stories of how she quit her last corporate job. And I'll just say this. She quit on accident, and it is a great story of how it came to be. So that is not to be missed. So be sure to tune in for that on this interview. Also, make sure that you download the bonus material. Joanna and I would talk a little bit more for, especially if you're interested in copywriting and not just copywriting, but just writing in general, you would love to have a career along those lines and go down that path. Joanna and I talk a little bit more about that, about how you might go about getting into something like that. So you're definitely going to want to download that, that bonus material. You can find the link uh, within the show notes of this episode. If you're listening on an app or a mobile device, you can click the link right there within the show notes, right at the top of the page, and we will send you that bonus material. Or you can go to the show notes page on on the website, and we will send that to you either way so we can hook you up with that. All right, let's get right into it. Here's the interview conversation chit-chat with my friend Joanna Weeb of copyhackers.com. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my Canadian friend of the North, Miss Joanna Weeb, who is a copywriting extraordinaire. This girl knows her stuff. She's so good at writing to get people to take action and to buy things that just listening to her words today, you may be like, I don't even know what she's selling, but I need something. I need to buy something. Uh, (laughs) She's just that good. So I'm just warning you and I'm really, really prepping Joanna big time here. So no, no pressure. Yeah, the disappointment they'll feel at the end of this. How are you doing today? We were just talking. You're waking up out on the West Coast today. I am. I know it sounds bad that it's like nine o'clock in the morning. I'm awake fully and have been for a while. But yeah, my voice, it, it occurred to me that I should have done like some vocal warm up. No, lesson. I don't no, know we don't need any of that stuff here. Listen, we want <laughs> you on air. We worry. need you as you are. We want you fresh, rolling out of bed, just ready to roll. And we'll just jabber away here. So I gave you kind of an illustrious intro there. So what is it that you do with copywriting? Yeah, well, at this point in my life, I help businesses, primarily tech startups, write better copy so they can get 
more customers, can retain those customers, can get them to refer in new users, all of that kind of stuff. So the whole pirate metrics thing is what we help businesses do at Copy Hackers, which is, yeah, my business where we do that. But that's it. So we take words and we help businesses figure out how to use those to move people to act. That's what we do. That's Interesting. what I do. All right, yeah. move people to act. So what's yeah. the difference between like, copywriting and oh, I guess give us a good overview. What is copywriting exactly? So copywriting is basically all the words that face a customer in marketing at all, right? So that's like the general look of copywriting, which means it's a huge field and yeah. there are lots of different like, you know, almost segments in it. Lots of different ways you can go when it comes to copywriting. But yeah, any word that you see that a marketer wants you to see is copy. And outside of that, there's still, of course, you know, social proof or testimonials or reviews. Some reviews that might be bad that a marketer wouldn't want you to see might still be considered copywriting, although they're written by a non-copywriter. But, you know, everything's changing as more and more people are, of course, contributing their own content online. But that's like that's the gist of it, right? It's words that are going to move you to do something, usually that a marketer intended for you to read. So it could come in the form of a blog post getting you to take some type of action, but it could come in the form of, I think the common thing that we would think of would be sales pages, sales letters, registration forms, that kind of, so is that the Emails. bulk of what you're, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's the bulk of, of what you're trying to do? Exactly. When it, of the full range of the traditional copy stuff, like you just said, not as much the content marketing, but it's really hard. I found for people to separate the two, like a blog post from a landing page, somehow I think people have a hard time separating them because it, it all just feels like words, right? Mm -hmm. But one of them will tell a very different sort of story than the other will. So, And a blog post is not necessarily meant to move someone to act. So that's where like that bit of a line can be drawn. So I write blogs and I blog for other websites as well, but it's all with the goal of teaching people how to write, as you say, landing pages, home pages, emails, Facebook ads, Google ads, all of those kinds of things. It seems like with writing, there's just so many stinking directions that you could oh, go. I mean, you could do, no. you know, traditional fiction or nonfiction writing. You could just write a blog. You could be a journalist. You could do a bunch of different things. So why copywriting? What is it that appealed to you about that? Well, I do all of those things, actually. So from writing books that, you know, like I have a couple novels that have been published and I have my own eBooks that are like to teach people how to write copy. And then there's the actual act of writing copy and the blog post to promote them. All of those things are part of what I do. So when you write something, you might be especially good at that one type of writing, but you're really equipped to write so many different kinds of things. I mean, for copywriting, though, I did kind of fall into it, actually, outside. So I had started as an English major in undergrad. That's what I did. Everybody was like, that's such a foolish thing to do. And I was like, forget <laughs> it. I love books. I'm just going to do it. So I did. Sounds like a very nerdy thing. To love books? Oh, yeah. The English major who just loves books. You just sound like a big book nerd. <laughs> Who isn't really, right? It's like most of us go on vacation and we like look forward. I don't know. Most of the people that I know that go on vacation <laughs> look forward to grabbing a book and, right. and taking some time with it, right? Like 
It's fabulous. Harry Potter. Who doesn't want to read? Oh, I like to read, but I am proud to acknowledge I haven't read any of that crazy. Is it a trilogy or like a 19 books or somewhere in between Harry there? Harry Potter, you haven't. I have to go. No, oh, my goodness. I hope we can Are still be kidding? friends. No, I haven't read any of that. <laughs> stuff. I haven't watched the movies and none of that stuff. Okay, you need to. My sister was in the exact same boat as you. No, nope, just stop right there. Oh, it's just, it's just weird. Someone's. I know I'm going to get either love or hate emails or text or comments about this, but yeah, I've never watched them. I've never read any of them. I know squat about the storyline, Lord of the Rings, none of that stuff. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I haven't read the Lord of the Rings okay. series all at right. all, but Harry Potter, I mean, as soon as the staircases started moving in the first <sighs> book, I was like, I get it. I'm in. Oh, like, uh, you've already lost me. As soon as you what? said staircase moving, I'm like, no, that's not a real thing. Come back to Earth, Joanna. You're, what? Oh, so you bless you. want to read things that are real? <laughs> She's really? going awful. No, I will say this. And let's see here. Two weeks from now, at the time of this recording, two weeks from today, actually, I'm taking my girls, my wife, and my daughters to Disney World. So we'll get lost in our own imaginations there. So that'll be my Harry Potter escape, I guess. I'll try to forgive you for the Harry Potter. <laughs> I hope we can still be friends. <laughs> but so, yeah. So, you know. What were we even talking about? Okay, Harry Potter. All right. So about, you. Yeah, the books, right? The love of books. And, okay. And how that led me to, yeah, to, to be an English major, which is the silliest thing you can waste money on, according to so many people. Not according to me at all. I think it's turned out pretty well for me. But so I did that in undergrad. I went to Japan for a year to like to read, actually. Someone told me she'd just been to Japan, and she came back and said – and we were like – I met her at a wedding, and we were just talking through the night. And she said that she went to Japan. She spent one year there, and she read like four books a week because she had Jeez. so much free time. And I was like – that sounds brilliant. Like I haven't had any time for recreational reading in undergrad. You just read like what you're assigned, right? right? No recreational reading. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to Japan. So I went to Japan for a year, read like three books the entire time. Cause I was completely swamped with activities the whole time I was there. So came back, went to law school, dropped out of that. Not for me, lots of stuff. And then I was kind of floundering, right? I didn't really know what to do. And my friend, actually, my dad had just died, which was the reason that I dropped out of law school. Like the day before my first day of law school, my dad passed away from brain cancer. Wow. And it was like, you know, those shakeup moments, right? We've all had one. And if we haven't, you're probably going to. But like, hang on, let me jump in. That's like people have had shakeup moments, but that's pretty big, like on the scale of things. So like, how did that affect you? Like, how did that lead you to drop out of law school? Well, because it was the day before law school started, and frankly, my dad was never a fan of me going to law school. Like, I think he liked me being slightly impractical. So, like, doing things that I wanted to do rather than things that would lead to, a, like, a career. So he wasn't one of those dads who, like, pushed you into a profession, which I'm not – maybe – a lot of them aren't, but my experience with other dads is that, and moms, is they just want you to be set up for like a really nice, safe life. Right. Um, so that would have been great for like becoming a lawyer. There you go. You're pretty much set up. I mean, not today necessarily, but whatever at the time. And so, yeah. So for him to one, not have been a fan of the idea, fine with it, but not a fan. And then two, to die before this major part of my like these three years of intense study are about to begin. I don't 
absolutely believe in signs necessarily, but I do believe in reading things. And yeah. it was hard not to read that experience and look for, or not even look for, but like, how can you not be kind of slapped in the face? That's what I felt at that moment. Like, wow, law school is probably not right for me. So I didn't know for sure. And I know you shouldn't make big decisions when you're highly emotional. So I just deferred it for a year and said, I'll just figure things out for the next year. And then I'll go back. So I was kind of like floundering there for a bit. I had, a, I took about two months just to think, but I am, when it comes down to it, rather practical person, even if I was an English major and led <laughs> not to be, but I had bills to pay, right? I had right. a student loan still from undergrad that I had to pay. I had all sorts of things that I, you know, rent, all of the stuff that happens when you're like 23, 24. So my friend was working at an agency, a small, at the time it was a smaller agency in Canada here in, Ed, well, not here, it was in Edmonton. And she was like, we're looking for a writer. Do you want to try it? And she had a few other friends that she, like, we were all just like kind of writerly friend type things. And so we all, yeah, so I went through and got the job and that was cool. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do this for, you know, a couple months and then I'll go back to law school but I just didn't go back to law school. I really enjoyed writing for businesses. It was kind of something that I hadn't even thought that you could really do. Like I'd never considered looking around like a billboard as something that I might write or, you know, a TV commercial as something that I would help dream up the concept for and then storyboard and actually write and then go right. through production, like all of those fun things I'd never thought. And the web was still relatively new, like websites were looking pretty awful at the time, but it was still exciting that you might be able to communicate with people in interesting ways that I just hadn't considered before. So I just stuck, instead of going back to law school, I just stuck with it and stayed as a copywriter. Were you thinking like, okay, this is my thing, I found it? Or is it just kind of like, I don't know what I want to do, I just know I don't want to go back to law school? Or what, <laughs> like, what are you kind of thinking at that point? Yeah, I think bit of both. I don't know that I ever thought this is what I want to do. I mean, as an English major, I always wanted to be a writer, right? When it comes down to it, I think a lot of us have a novel in that lower desk drawer, right? Something sure. that you're secretly chipping away at. And I thought, okay, well, I can maybe, at least if I'm writing copy all day long, I'm actually practicing writing. It's a different style of writing, sure, but there's still a lot that you can pull that can help you. Even writing in kind of a more modern sort of feel where it's quite minimalist, which is what the web demands from you. And, but writing emails gives you a chance to be more narrative and tell stories. So I thought, okay, well, I can practice, essentially practice writing, a home, you know, get into the discipline of it daily. And then at night and on weekends, I can write other things. And so I didn't do that in the beginning. I just like, I think that's the thing when you're starting out in a profession, there's just too many things. You can't like start a new career and plus have a second thing that you're doing in the evening. I found that I couldn't. So it took a couple years for me to really get into feeling like, I've got a strong grip on copywriting, and then I felt confident continuing to write fun stuff, fun writing, as I call it, in the evenings. And it has been, copywriting has been a really good way for, I think, any writer, somebody who wants to write. It's a great way to make ends meet and then some, and so you can actually afford to write the books that you want to, not have to write you know, the books that you don't want to because they might sell. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of reminds me, uh, whenever I first started speaking, I remember when you and I crossed paths in Vegas, we spent a lot of time talking about speaking. And But I remember when I first started speaking that I worked for this seminar company and would do like these six, seven hour seminars where I was wearing like a suit and I was the youngest guy in the room. And for all of these, like these local companies would send employees that didn't want to be there. And I'm just doing like this third party's material that they wanted me to do. And it just, it wasn't really what I wanted to do long term, but I was speaking. And so it was closer. It was better than doing non-speaking. And it sounds like that's kind of where you were as well of going like, I don't know that I want to do copyright. I don't know that I don't want to do it, but it's better than flipping burgers or doing something totally unrelated. So is that kind of how you felt? Like, okay, at least I'm writing in some capacity. Yeah, like exactly. I mean, when I was in undergrad, I did a lot of creative writing classes. And part of the thing that I loved about those was the discipline of it. Some people say you shouldn't, some people, not a lot, but some people say that you shouldn't take writing classes because writers are born, not made. Do you think that's true? No, I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true at all. And I do think that it's very easy for a writer to sit on an idea for their whole life, like forever, and never move on it. And that's where you need the discipline that comes with like the creative writing classes meant I had to turn in a short story. I think it was every three weeks. Not a lot of writers are writing a short story every three weeks. So without that environment, I wouldn't have written any short stories throughout undergrad. I wouldn't have written a single one. Why would I have? I had other things to do, right? I had a job on the side and I had full-time course load. So you have to, I think there's always going to be those things that distract us from something else. And if you can choose a career or a path or some part of your life that can help you at least practice the thing that you really want to get to until you can get there, then that's good. And that's, yeah, exactly where I have been with copywriting. But that's not to say that I haven't really loved that copywriting, what copywriting is. It's different from writing a novel, completely different right. in 98% different from writing a novel. So it's, but it is still very enjoyable. It's very satisfying to test your copy and see that it actually helped a business grow or that your script for their support staff even helps customers feel better about working with your organization. Like there's so many levels where you can impact not just a business's bottom line. You don't have to be like a raging capitalist to be a copywriter, but you can actually, you know, make customers and people get the thing that they've been looking for and better understand it and feel more confident in their decisions. So they walk away happier while getting the solution they were looking for. So there's still that really powerful part of copywriting and it's not just some sort of means to an end it just happens to be a really cool path that I was able and have been able to follow while also doing this other path in parallel with it and they complement each other. Yeah, I think that's obviously what makes a really good copywriter is it's not like I'm trying to sell products that are slimy, shady, sketchy to people who don't, at the end of the day, don't need it. It's like, no, no, no. There's some people who have amazing products that offer amazing solutions to people that would really help solve their problem or their need or their pain or whatever it may be, but they just describe it in such a crappy way that you people don't understand it or they don't think it's for them or whatever. So it sounds like you're able to kind of bridge that gap and say, you have this amazing thing. You have this pain over here. Here's how I can connect you to and explain the product well and explain it to the customer in a way that like, no, no, you do need this. This will help you. And here's how it seems like you're kind of that almost that in a very positive way that the middleman for it. Yeah, I absolutely. Absolutely. I think copywriters, there's a lot of frontline people that are, you know, that middleman, as you say, and copywriters are definitely one part of that group of people that are there to help connect 
a prospect with the thing that they're actually looking for and need. And then in some cases, obviously, really, really want to. Yeah. So, yeah, that's absolutely a great way, I think, to look at it. So while you are, you get that first gig doing copywriting and it sounds like it's starting to click, starting to resonate for you. Are you there for a while? How long are you there? What's the next step from there? Yeah. So I was at the agency for just about two years, not that long. It was pretty intense. I was the only copywriter there. And so it was crazy, which was good. I didn't leave because it was intense, not at all because I left to go to Intuit, the software company. Mm -hmm. So that I was not downgrading to something less intense. It was definitely more intense from that point on. But yeah, so I moved from the agency to the creative team at Intuit. Of course, they make QuickBooks and TurboTax and all of those like Mint they've acquired, used right. to be quick and all that stuff, right? So they have this whole suite of products for businesses and for people too, for consumers with the tax side of things. So I moved over there, became their senior copywriter and spent about five years there. And that's where I switched from being at the agency. I was largely a creative copywriter. Like I was somebody who was writing taglines and like I said, you know, commercial scripts and things like that, billboards. None of those things are really moving a person to act, right? A tagline doesn't move you to act. A commercial only rarely does. It doesn't generally have a call to action at the end unless it's like a long form commercial online, right? Like a video right. sales that are almost... And so those things at the agency were just really creative. Then when I moved into Intuit, it was a conversion-focused environment. And so I was exposed to new, to just really cool new ways of understanding how to write, how to get people, how to move people to act. And so split testing, right? I was exposed suddenly to that and studying persuasion techniques and getting into user experience design, right? All of these things and search became a much bigger part of the job that I was doing at the time. So I spent five years there. It was awesome. And Intuit was a fantastic company to work for. They were just amazing. And then I left to go do my own thing with copy hackers. So that was kind of the course. So I had about seven years before I went to copy hackers. And of course, there's, you know, the whole story there. And was copy hacker something that you started or was an existing thing that you jumped in and partnered in? Or how did that come to be? Yeah, it was mine. So what had happened is I anybody who's familiar with the startup community is probably familiar with Hacker News or mm -hmm. Y Combinator News. Yep. So, right. So you're familiar with that. So I was an avid reader of it. Lance, my partner, is also very he was an avid reader of it as well. So we were on Hacker News quite a bit. And in my last year at Intuit, there was this gentleman, Sharif Bashay, who posted on Hacker News this like show HN. And that's where you like show the community a product you're building or something like that. And you ask for and they give you feedback and help you through it. So he did a show HN with his new website for his project management solution, which was designed for developers to manage their own projects. And he said, like, okay, I'd love anybody's feedback. So I chimed in and just, like, said a few things about the copy on the website. And I think there was a bit of a back and forth. Anyway, I ended up, just because I wanted to, I ended up putting together a slide deck for him that had my recommendations for different parts of his homepage in particular. And so I emailed that to him. And then a couple, like, two months later, 
on Hacker News, he wrote another post that was all about how awesome the Hacker News community is. And he used my deck as an example of how we give to each other. And so that went to the top of Hacker News. It stayed up there for quite a while. And I got inundated with requests from other people like Sharif, like, oh, can you help me? You helped him. Can you please do something like that for me? And so I come home to this, like, it was my birthday, actually. I came home from dinner to this inbox packed with emails. I'm like, what is happening here? Right? And so I open the first one. Start from the top and work your way down, which was probably a mistake. But I started from the top. And it was like, hey, exactly that. Can you help me with mine? And I'm like, oh, sure. Why not? Right? And so I say yes. And by the time I'm at like 10 emails in and they're all asking the same thing, I'm like, I don't think I can keep saying yes to all these people. So I had to start saying no. I can't. And a lot of people wrote back and said, well, can you write an ebook on this at least? Can you like teach us somehow how to do what you just did for Sharif? And I was like, okay. So I took, I did like those, um, I took the 10, eight, whatever it was, people that I had agreed to help. And I turned those into case studies that then became the core of what turned into a series of four ebooks that we launched about a year later on Hacker News. And that was the kickoff of Copy Hackers, which was what we decided to call the books. And so that was the name of the business. Turned That's into crazy. Business. Yeah. Okay. So at the time, whenever this goes up on Hacker News and you all of a sudden get hammered with all these emails, that's a great birthday present to get, by the way. Uh, <laughs> are you looking for something else? Are you looking for like, I'm looking for my escape, I'm looking for my exit strategy and oh, great, this fell in my lap or it's like, no, no, I'm, I like what I'm doing and I'm senior copywriter into it and it's a big corporation and uh, it's a good gig. So what do you kind of think when all this kind of happens? Yeah, it was actually really fantastic timing because I, as much as I loved Intuit, I had just got a new boss. He's like, he was the devil, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) We've all worked for that guy. (laughs) I know, right? Why do they keep hiring that guy? Oh, come on. uh, He's everywhere. (laughs) He is. That's the devil for you. So he was, yeah, pure evil. So I decided, you know, I wanted to leave, but... I was working from home, which is a very cushy job to have. I'm a copywriter, which is not necessarily the most in-demand job there is in-house. There's a lot of freelance copywriters that a lot of people look for. Today, I think the demand for copywriters in-house is much bigger than it was then, thanks to content marketing and Mm -hmm. all that it's doing, and of course, it be testing. So a lot of people are interested in finding really good copywriters today. But even four years ago, the landscape just wasn't necessarily like that. So I was like, oh, do, you know, if I leave, and that was, I guess, five years ago when I was thinking of leaving, do I leave this? And it's, you know, I've got RSUs, right? So they're going to vest and I'm, you can see the money in the future. If you just stay another year, you'll get like this $30,000 check just for like continuing to be there. Right. All of those great things, but working for a big company, you know, a version of golden handcuffs, I guess. But so I hadn't felt that I could leave, right? I hadn't felt that it would be very easy to leave. You know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, this too shall pass. Maybe my boss will get hit by a bus or something if I can pay a bus driver. And so, You're going to a pretty dark place. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish it was a joke. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but, you know, you do the back and forth on quitting a job that you are paid well for and that I knew everybody in like I knew all of I had a team that I knew and loved 
But so when this opportunity came along and I thought, okay, well, I'll write the eBooks and then we'll just see what happens. Maybe it'll be a good way to start freelancing. And so I wrote the eBooks and actually in the summer, I got so frustrated with my boss. I had been doing the thing where you write the I quit email. Like, you know, you do that just to write and get out of your system where you like write, like, I hate you. You ruined my life. You're so evil. Right. I don't believe any of those things. And that's an exaggeration. But no, this guy was wicked bad. Like you have to be (laughs) wicked bad to chase somebody away from a really cushy job they really love. But anyway, I won't give him any more power in my life. But (laughs) no, sounds like you've really worked through it. It sounds like you're in a a good place. (laughs) Time to head back to therapy, I think. No, but okay, so I had written these, I, I'm leaving emails, they didn't actually say I hate you, they were just like the, I'm quitting, good riddance kind right, of thing. Right. And I never sent them. And then one day, I was working from home, of course, and it's Friday afternoon, I've just had a really rough day with my boss, it's Friday, so Lance and I, we both worked from home, uh, Lance, my partner, and so we were having a glass of wine and talking, and I was sitting at my desk, and I had this, I hate you, I'm quitting email open, along with a bunch of other emails that were unsent as well, like replies to things. Outlook, you know, has those stacked boxes, so into it used Outlook, and there were like stacks of emails that were unsent. And so I was talking to Lance, doing a million things at once, and I hit send on an email that I thought was just a response to somebody else. And it was the I quit email. Thankfully, it wasn't harsh. It was very clean and just like, I'm leaving. Good day. Here's my notice. Here's my last day. So I accidentally quit my job, add into it. (sighs) But it was the greatest blessing. And I know I said I don't believe in science. That doesn't mean I don't believe in God. I do believe that there's absolutely, I believe in God. So I'm not saying that for anybody who's a skeptic, like, oh, really, God was just sitting there. You had nothing better to do than to like make sure that you quit into it today. But well, there's been things in my life that have happened that have just kind of like have pushed me in other directions between my dad's past, these big things, right? And then that this email just was accidentally sent and now I had no choice but to quit this job that I was done with. You know, emotionally I was done with it. I had new opportunities and I wouldn't have moved forward with them if I hadn't sent that email. So for me, it was a great, it turned into something really great. Terrifying at the time, but I wouldn't have quit otherwise. So that's how Copy Hackers started. Crazy. Wow, that's awesome. So okay, in the last kind of 60 seconds we got here. So give us a snapshot. What does Copy Hackers do today? What is your business made of? What do you guys sell? And and if people want to check it out, where can we go? Yeah, so it's at copyhackers.com. And I'm also on Twitter at Copy Hackers. And what Copy Hackers is, it's largely a blog at this point, where we have ebooks as well. And those are very popular still a lot of businesses, 20,000 startups or something are have purchased them. So the ebooks we've got to help you with like these bite-sized needs that you have. Like if you don't even know what to say on your landing page or in your emails, book one teaches you where to find your message. If you just want to write a new headline, right? Or you just want to write better button copy. We've got individual books for that. They're like 50 pages each. So you can like take in, consume a bunch, go do it, move on with your life because you probably don't want to be a copywriter unless you do (laughs) want to be a copywriter, in which case we have courses as well. So we're about to, in September, to relaunch our course. And so we do that about every six months. This one's brand new. So that's what we're doing at Copy Hackers. And then, of course, the blog. We do a lot of blogging and pretty 
largely intense, I would say, blog posts that are meant to help you see copy and your messages in kind of a new way. So not the usual six ways to write a headline kind of stuff, but gotcha. um, more thoughtful stuff, hopefully. I like it. So copyhackers.com. And again, I have perused that many a time. Really, really good stuff there. We'll link up to that. Uh, one of the things I'm intrigued by, and you kind of alluded to it there, is for people that are interested in copywriting and they're like, okay, I am, I think, you know, I like writing and I think this is a path I want to go down, a path I want to pursue. What would be some of those next steps? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to save that for the bonus round. We're going to just tease that out, let you ponder and chew on that for a second. And we'll uh, talk about some of those next steps for someone that may want to get into copywriting. You can download that, the bonus material, just by clicking on the link within the show notes for this episode. So again, we will link up copyhackers.com in the show notes. I encourage everyone to stop by and check that out. But Joanna, really good stuff. Enjoy the conversation and chat. And we'll plan on chatting a little more over in the bonus round. Sound good? Sounds awesome. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chit chat with Joanna Weeb. Really good stuff there. Love that story, huh? About accidentally quitting her job on a whim, sending an email. That's why you don't have emails that are just floating around in the draft box or the outbox. You just, I just get really, really nervous. Sometimes whenever I'm writing them, I will leave out the email address because I'm scared I am going to accidentally hit send. So I'm fine to draft it, but I don't want to have any email associated with it until I'm ready to push that send button. But it worked out really well. Great story there. I don't know if I would or wouldn't recommend drafting that email and putting the email address in it and then just letting it linger there. You may or may not want to do that. So, uh, But good story nonetheless. Definitely download the bonus material where Joanna and I stick around for a few extra minutes. We talk about uh, careers in writing and copywriting. Good stuff there. All right. I think that wraps up today's episode. Boys and girls, thanks for hanging out with us. Really do appreciate you. And if there's anything we can do to help you and support you on your journey to find and do work you love, don't ever hesitate to let us know. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on InstaFace, on all those places. Grant Baldwin, you can find me there. Or just email me, grant at grantbaldwin.com. All right, my friends, we'll catch you next time. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.